In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Chapter 6 of the Gospel of John begins with a triumph. Jesus had fed the multitude and given them bread. He was clearly God's Messiah coming to the world. Who else could have done that miracle? He was the new Moses. He was to lead the people out of their bondage, and they were excited. They would follow him anywhere and everywhere. In fact, John 6.14 says, When the people saw the miracle that Jesus had done, they've said to themselves, This is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. And it says they were about to seize him, take him by force, and to make him their king. But the beginning of chapter 7 says, After this, Jesus went about in Galilee, he did not wish to go about in Judea because the Jews were looking for an opportunity to kill him. So in one chapter, we went from let's kidnap this guy and make him king to let's kill him. And the shift comes because Jesus has said to them, just as the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So whoever eats me will live because of me. Jesus has claimed to be the bread of heaven. And he has claimed that whoever eats his flesh and drinks his blood will have eternal life. Well, this is scandalous. It was offensive. And on the most human level, it was repulsive to these people. Remember, Jews have quite stringent, precise laws about the kind of meat they're allowed to eat. They most certainly cannot eat human flesh. They cannot consume blood, animal, human, otherwise. That was a pagan thing to do. To eat flesh and drink blood for a ritual, that was the lowest of low in their morality. And the mere thought of it was disgusting. It was taboo. But Jesus provokes them. And so when Jesus says they must eat his body, he doesn't even use the regular Greek word for eating. He uses a word that's closer to meaning to gnaw on, to chew on, like an animal chewing on a piece of meat or a bone. And they were disgusted by the idea. So they come to think that Jesus is unhinged, and they walk away from him. And it wasn't just the crowds that walked away from him. It was his disciples. You might remember in the other Gospels, like in Luke 10, Jesus sent 72 disciples out to preach, to baptize, to cast out demons in his name. Sometimes we imagine Jesus was just followed by 12 men, but that isn't true. At the beginning of his ministry, Jesus was followed by crowds of people wanting to be his disciples. And so there were at least 72 who were sent out to perform miracles in Jesus' name. But here in John 6, all but 12 of them walk away. Only 12, the apostles, remain. And even of that 12, as Jesus says, there will be doubters, and even one who will betray him. This teaching then, that one must eat the flesh of Jesus to have life is a stumbling block that will drive many of them away. On the one hand, they don't believe that this is God speaking to them. They lack any awareness of how it is that they can eat the flesh of Jesus. They are so stuck on the worldly means by which this could happen, they can't get into the deeper spiritual meaning. This theme pops up throughout the Gospel of John. For instance, in John 3, Nicodemus cannot understand what Jesus means when he says, you must be born again. 
Nicodemus simply understands that the physics and the mechanics of re-entering his mother's womb will not work. And so the spiritual sense is not obvious to him. There's an interaction like that in John 4 as well. Jesus tells the Samaritan woman at the well that he is the living water. Whoever drinks this water will never thirst. And again, she misunderstands. She wants Jesus to take her to this well so she can drink that water. And so in John 6, the people want the bread of life that will feed them forever. But Jesus tells them that he is the bread of life. It is his flesh that will feed them forever. And throughout the Gospel of John, then people understand Jesus as a speaker of God to them. That he's a teacher. But this isn't exactly what John has in mind. It's not about Jesus speaking to people about God. Jesus is not just a good teacher telling people about what God is doing. Rather, the gospel is interested in showing us that Jesus speaks as God. Jesus is what God is doing. He's not just a prophet like Moses who instructs the people about manna from heaven. Rather, Jesus himself is the source of manna. In fact, Jesus is the manna. Jesus is the word made flesh. He is the bread come from heaven. When we hear from Jesus, then, we're not hearing from a teacher. We're hearing from God. And so when Jesus tells his followers to eat his flesh and drink his blood, he's not speaking to them as a crazy man, which is how so many of them heard it. He is speaking to them as God. And as God, he is uniquely capable of making this happen. But like the disciples who walk away from Christ at this point, we can get ourselves in trouble when we try to reason ourselves to God. These followers could not make sense of what Christ was saying. Their intellectual abilities, what they've been taught about the Old Testament, it only led them to question what Christ is saying. They just couldn't accept it. We must come to the words of Christ then as the word of God. We see Peter's response in contrast to the followers who left. Peter says, where else can we go? It's you. You have the words of eternal life. And so until we put ourselves at the feet of Jesus, until we listen to him, accept his words as the words of eternal life, we will not begin to understand what he is saying. And this is hard. The modern world is predicated on the idea of, I think, therefore I am. We believe that our life is a series of rational, well-thought-out choices. We examine the evidence, follow the logic, trust our reason, and then make a well-informed decision that must be right because we followed the evidence. But wisdom first doesn't come in knowing what we think we know. Wisdom comes in knowing what we don't know. The book of Proverbs tells us over and over that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's not education, not strict logic, but fear of the Lord. I remember when my wife's father was dying. He was in his early 50s, and he got sick and discovered that he had stage 4 colon cancer. Although they had started treatments, nothing really worked. But her father was a brilliant man, probably one of the smartest and most articulate men I've ever known. But he was a preacher and a teacher, and he often he preached four or five times a week. Uh, his sermons were always excellent. He didn't use notes. His students loved him. He always had an interesting reading or resource to share. He always challenged them. 
and he was the kind of person who would speak well and people would listen to him. Well, when he was sick, a co-worker came to visit him and told him much of what I just said. The person said to him, you're the smartest man I know. And he didn't miss a beat. He responded, and where am I now? It makes no difference. Now there is only Jesus. And sure enough, at his funeral, we sang, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. There are two classes of disciples, and there are two classes of disciples in our gospel this morning. Two kinds of followers. There are those who just want to speculate about Jesus' words. They want to try to reason their way through the Bible. They will come to church hoping to hear a motivating sermon, sing nice songs. There are followers who will follow Christ when it's easy, when it makes sense for them, when they benefit. But then there's the disciple of Christ who will receive his words as a dying man or a dying woman. They will hear that there is life, eternal life in Christ. There's not time to speculate, not time to get caught up in the details, because as a dying man, as a dying woman, they need the words of life. When I am hungry, I just want to eat. I don't care about the nutritional information on the back of the label, just give me some food. When I'm thirsty, just give me water. Don't give me a lecture about water purification or the water cycle on earth or something. Just give me the water that I need. When I'm tired, just let me sit down and rest. Don't tell me about the lactic acid buildup in my muscles or other physiology. When I am a sinner whose future is inevitably the grave, I don't need speculation. I don't need questions of how can this be. Just give me the words of eternal life. It's Christ who has the words of eternal life. Christ has the words to say your sins are forgiven, and Christ has given himself for you. We see that it takes no great skill or education to be a disciple of Jesus. We see that in Peter. Peter's not the most educated, well-spoken, articulate man. He has nothing special in himself at all. But he knows that Christ has the words of eternal life, even if he can't make sense of it. He knows that Christ has the words of life. And so it takes nothing special in you at all. Right? All it takes is to cling to the words of life as a dying man, as a dying woman desperate for the words of life. You won't always be able to reason out your faith. And so when you can't reason out your faith, when you can't understand why are things the way they are, why is my life like this, why are things happening like this, you can't make sense of it, so cling to the words of Christ. As Christians, we say that the words of life come when we eat God. When we open our mouths and we receive the bread and wine of communion, we are opening our mouths and receiving God. Well, this has always caused those outside of the church to scoff at Christians. Roman pagans called Christians cannibals. A famous 12th century Muslim philosopher said that there are no other people on earth as stupid and ungodly, as senseless as Christians, because they think God is made available to, to them in bread. How can anyone claim to eat God? How can anyone claim to hear the word of Christ to them in something as mundane as a sermon? How can anyone know that their sins are forgiven? There's no reason, there's no way to reason your way in any of this. And there's not. But Christ, the Son of God, has come in the flesh for you. This cannot be reasoned. 
that the Son of, God, Son of God died on a cross for you does not make worldly sense. But Christ now comes to you in his full humanity, full humanity, his full divinity, under the substance of bread and wine. If you wait for this to make sense, you will miss out. If you wait for your intellect to catch up, you'll be missing these words. So instead, cling to the words of Christ. Cling to the words of Christ of dying men and dying women who want eternal life. Jesus did not come to be a great teacher. He did not come to lead a moral revolution. He did not come to be a philosopher, a politician. Jesus came to bring you the words of eternal life. Amen.